Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hello. My name is Lauren Heath. I'm the Empathpreneur, and I am sitting in for Josh Carey today on The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And I have the pleasure of having Sally Wolf with me today. Hello, Sally. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? How are you feeling today? I feel great. It is sunny and beautiful and finally almost spring. We are getting the chance to chat. Life is good. Life is good. I love how positive you are. I've just been you know, reading about you and learning more about you. Uh, from what I know of you, Sally, you inspire others to flourish and live your their best lives. I know that you're the creator of Lightworks and you have 20 years experience in corporate America and you've taken your love for mentoring and nurturing folks to create programs designed to help enable people to find more meaning in both their jobs and their lives, which I know that really resonates with me when I was, you know, reading more about you because I know that's something that I struggled with for so long. You know, I think a lot of times people don't realize, or it takes a long time for people to realize that, you know, if you're not, there has to be a balance, right? So like, tell us more about like, why, why were you drawn to this kind of journey of helping people find this balance and find meaning with their jobs and their lives? Why is that even important? So there are so many threads that came together that I think all of us, when we have that moment of like looking back, just kind of bring us to the point where we are, if we really pay attention. So my first job ever was being a camp counselor and I loved it. And at some point I outgrew it, but I always had this realization that the things that I did in my corporate jobs, and I I made a lot of spreadsheets, I made more PowerPoint slides than I care to ever count, right? But the thing that I did particularly well that I took the most pride in was all of the mentoring and the nurturing and the things that quite honestly were not a part of my job description that don't appear on my LinkedIn from all those corporate days. And yet they were the things, they were they were the people really, but ultimately the things in my day that meant the most. And so I always had this thought of like, hmm, what if I could be a camp counselor in the corporate world? And like, just like that didn't exist, right? And then after sort of toward the end of these 20 years in the corporate life on my corporate journey, I had the challenge slash opportunity of having a breast cancer diagnosis. And I had already kind of been at that point shortly before that of, hmm, I have the best 
job I've ever had. I had created this incubator at Warner Media that I was really, really proud of. So best job I ever had, best boss I ever had. And still this moment of, hmm, I don't think this is what I really feel like I'm meant to be doing anymore. And that said, I didn't know what the sort of substitute was meant to be, right? And this is where that cancer diagnosis ended up being a, a gift or one that brought both scars and silver linings, I like to say, because I had the time off during medical leave to take a positive psychology class that I had had my eye on for a really long time and just never felt like I had the time to take. And positive psychology at a very high level takes traditional psychology, which is all about, if you think about, if you've taken one psych class, kind of like fixing something that's not quite right. So if someone's struggling in some ways, whether it's, it's a clinical thing or just like something doesn't feel right, and we're trying to get them to be okay or fine. And positive psychology, which was born in 1998 at UPenn by a professor named Marty Seligman, he said, well, like, look, getting from struggling to fine is, is important. That, that's real. But why do we stop at fine, right? Think about how many times I remember growing up, it was almost like cool to say you were fine. Like if in high school, how are you? What's up? I'm yeah. fine, right? Like, but what about being better than fine? So positive psychology says, okay, let's get that person who's fine to good or good to great or great to awesome or whatever your favorite adjective is. So I took this course and the course it, it, there's science behind this. This is not just like the science of happy fate of smiley emojis, right? There's like, you learn about gratitude, you learn about growth mindset. So seeing something that might be an obstacle as an opportunity, because you can train yourself to do that. You learn about how to find meaning and purpose, even in those difficult moments of life. And so I'm learning all of this. And there was that moment of, hmm, I never learned this stuff in quite this way. And I have a psychology undergraduate degree from Harvard. I have two masters from Stanford. I went to the schools we are sort of supposed to aspire to go to, right? I've had all these impressive, and I put those in air quotes, impressive, because impressive to someone else. Like you look at my LinkedIn and it looks like I've worked at all the these name brand places. I've gone to these schools and I'm sitting here in these classes while I'm in the middle of chemotherapy and going through this difficult life journey and learning all of these things that ultimately point to resilience and point to flourishing. And I had had moments of this in the, the 10 or so years before the positive psychology class in my dance classes of all places. So I kind of started to realize, hmm, there's all this stuff about life that we can learn by listening to our bodies in a dance class, that we can actually study with our minds, but we're not being taught. And ultimately my big pivot or reinvention on the heels of cancer was how do I bring this into the world? How do I stay connected to the corporate world that I know so well, but in a way where I bring effectively this light, right? It's called light works. And I bring these lessons that we can all learn about flourishing, help people feel more connected to their jobs without changing the job. So it may or may not be your dream job. And maybe you can't change it right now because this pandemic is tough and you don't feel that mobility. But how can you, just by knowing yourself better, connect more deeply into the passion that is available to you in that moment? 
there's this amazing study that I love that I include in the class that I teach on meaning and purpose. And it's a study about janitors. And it was done in the early 2000s in, in Michigan. And the psychologists had realized that there were some janitors and they were all at hospitals who found really deep purpose in what they did and others who didn't. And so when she dug deeper, she found that the janitors who felt really deep purpose, if you said, what do you do? They didn't say they cleaned those hospital rooms, even though that is, of course, what they did, right? That would be on their LinkedIn, let's say. But if you ask them, what do you do? They said they helped people to get well. They helped people to heal. They understood that they were a critical part of that of that experience. And never has that been more true than the pandemic, right? Because those janitors, they are frontliners doing incredible work. And I had created this course before um, the pandemic, but I especially love telling that story now because people really get it. So what we do is so much less important than if we can connect it to the why, if we can connect it to that deeper sense of purpose and to be able to help people find that in their lives, I consider to be an incredible gift that I've been given on this journey. I love that. And I love that you, you talked, you mentioned, you know, you had the opportunity (laughs) you know, to experience breast cancer. Like that's definitely the first time that I've ever heard of that. And you talk about how, you know, you're, you survived and and thrived because of it. I think that says so much about you as a person. And I'm sure that, you know, the people in your life and, and the people listening to this can be so inspired by how you've taken all of these things that, you know, have happened in your life and turn it into something else. I think it's funny. You've, you kind of like have checked off all the boxes, right? You know, like, you went to Harvard and, you know, all these things, you had the corporate job, the salary and everything that went along with that, but you still felt like there was something missing. Um, I just think that's so powerful. Thank you. I, and I don't want to sort of eliminate the, the truth of like, yes, I cried tears and, you know, it wasn't like cancer is exclusively an opportunity. There is, a lot of challenge that exists on a day-to-day basis, but I don't get to choose whether that's a part of my life. There are moments in all of our lives, everyone has these moments or these experiences, right? For me, it's cancer. For someone else, it's a devastating loss or a layoff or, right? We are all living, (laughs) right? Like everyone has one or more than one. And Quite honestly, I I lived a very blessed first 40 years. Like I was diagnosed at 40 and um, I was pretty damn lucky. And so I had the gift of having lived that life, of having built an incredible, I don't like the word network, but like effectively like my personal network of friends and family and, and just people who... I I say that I would not wish a cancer diagnosis on anyone, but I was humbled by the love and support. I had friends, friends who are CEOs who have two or three little kids who were flying in, taking trains in from different places to hang out and play board games with me after surgery or want to go to a chemo session. Um, my family was incredible. I always say that it was my body, but my family's cancer. Mm. I had the gift of 
uh, initially a two-year-old nephew and a newborn niece. And now those, the, uh, there's a trio. My nephew is seven and my nieces are, are five and three and kids are, are amazing medicine. So I just felt like there was so much that was going my way in a journey that I wouldn't have chosen because the only thing I could choose after that cancer diagnosis, I can't unchoose cancer, right? Like that's, I don't get that choice. That is something that life said, hey, this is the journey you're taking. And I actually could tell you all the ways I tried to avoid this journey in the sense of my mom had had breast cancer when I was in high school. So I, being that overachiever, check every boxer kind of person, started getting screened at 32, and I knew we were negative for the genes that they've identified, but we're Ashkenazi Jews, which tend to over-index in breast cancer. And um, at any rate, I started getting screened at 32 and did not only the mammogram, but also the sonogram because a lot of women, a little public service announcement, younger women have dense breasts. So mammograms don't always catch everything. And I thought, well, at the very least, I can be sure I catch it early, right? I'm going to make sure of that. And P.S. Here I am. I am living with a metastatic breast cancer. It was an early stage breast cancer. I did an aggressive double mastectomy. I did several months of chemo. And yet again, life handed me a card, which was it came back locally, likelihood super low because I wasn't supposed to have breast tissue, but it came back locally. And then they did a full body PET scan and it also was in my hip. Hmm. So here I am. This was not part of the plan, right? The person who was the consummate planner was going to avoid this, which technically a stage four breast cancer. And yet I have to believe, therefore, that there's some reason I'm on this path. There's some opportunity that comes with it to help people understand that this is what a stage four cancer can be and can look like. And not everyone who has stage four breast cancer gets to be this lucky right? There are people whose cancer spreads to places that are worse or where it's caught later. And I don't want to under, that is, that, that's a really hard card, right? And yet in those moments, I think, well, wow, I didn't get that card, at least not yet. And so right now I have this opportunity to understand like both that preciousness of life that sometimes we forget when we're not living in my case with stage four cancer, so I am reminded of how precious life is. And yet I get this opportunity to feel good in my body and to find purpose in this journey and to spread light. And so I was living this corporate career life that, you know, by all measures was fine. And yet it's on the heels of cancer that I've done more podcasts, done more public speaking, created my own company felt this connection. I spoke at a business school reunion, which I went to Stanford Business School. The other speaker at that reunion, who's a friend of mine, when they invited me to speak and they told me that Todd was going to be the other speaker, I thought, oh, he's done like everything we're supposed to do, right? He sold, <laughs> created a company, sold it to Yahoo. He, you know, like he just checked all those boxes. He lives in Palo Alto, all this stuff that like, if you go to Stanford Business School, it's kind of like, here's the checklist. <laughs> and he's a great guy, but he had done the things. And here I was coming back to this reunion. Like, actually, the reunion was three weeks after I found out my cancer had come back and spread. But when I was invited, we didn't know that part. 
I wasn't sure what I was doing with my career. I had left my corporate job. I was trying to figure out what was next. I wasn't married. I didn't like, I just didn't have any of the quote unquote things that I would have said 15 years earlier I wanted. And yet I was invited to speak, not because of any of the things I was supposed to have accomplished, but because of how I had chosen to live in that moment. And my classmates were so generous on the heels of that speech. I got all this gratitude. Thank you for being so open because you changed the course of our reunion. Because instead of just catching up about our careers, you've given us all an invitation or permission to go there, to talk about the things that haven't quite worked out perfectly. Mm. And that's what life is all about, right? It's that deep connection. I'm guessing you're also a big fan of Brene Brown. She's a personal favorite of mine. That's how we're meant to connect, not behind these masks, which is not meant to be ironic, but in 2021, (laughs) yes, we are. Like anyone who's hearing this, we are supposed to be behind masks right now, but not like what I love about masks right now, you can still tell if someone is smiling in a photo by only seeing their eyes because the eyes are where we smile from when it's genuine. And so that is what I believe has been the opportunity of cancer is to connect with others, whether it's at a reunion, whether it's on your podcast, whether it's in these corporate workshops. And quite frankly, when you grow up wanting to go to a Harvard or a Stanford or whatever it is for you, right? Everyone has different brands that matter, but I'm guessing everyone listening has the brands that meant that to them. We kind of force ourselves into this needing to be a perfect fit for that. Hmm. Perfect isn't even real. But perfect is what, like, the more and more we strive for perfect and the more reinforcement we get for having been perfect, well, then there's the problem. Because what happens when life hands you a card that doesn't quite fit into that perfect plan? And what happens with my cancer journey or with the journey that anyone else might be on is you figure it out because you have no other choice in those moments than to figure it out. And that's where resilience comes in. And we all have more of that than we, you know, personally, I believe we all have more of that than we expect. Like if you had told me, I thought, okay, I can get through this early stage cancer thing. Fine. All right. I'll take that card. But if it comes back, if it spreads, because I technically know what that means, that's no longer considered curable. Right. And I was obsessed with that curable word. So I can tell you where I was. I was on 23rd street, walking down the street when that phone rang when the oncologist, and she sounded really chipper. So I was like, finally, I caught a break. It's not going to have spread. And I said, okay, so like that biopsy, that hip thing, it's not cancer, right? She goes, well, it is. And that was the moment, but she didn't sound like, you know, as terrible as I felt, right? And, And so that was the moment I expected to crumble. But I didn't have the perspective that she had of knowing all the stuff that existed, the medical science, how lucky was I to have this now where there's been all that science and been all those advances, right? And so that moment I thought to be the moment that was going to finally take me out, a kick in the gut that was just going to be the one where I didn't recover because it was too devastating because it wasn't curable. Like those are the things that went through my head. And and look, there was sobbing on 23rd street. I don't want to underestimate that. And yet then we figured it out. And so those moments that we expect in life 
to crumble us. Like for you, you mentioned divorce. I don't know if that was one for you of like having, you know, like, what am I going to do with this? None of us gets through life without those moments. I would argue if we don't have some of those moments, we probably haven't experienced the depth of life because there's something about cancer that has been really life affirming for me that has shown me how important it is to experience and appreciate the deep joy that life can bring and potentially losing that is, is some of what brings that to crystallization. So I spent the pandemic, the, the gift in a weird way of being immunocompromised is I fled New York city, went to my sisters in Connecticut for six months and had this magical adventure as an auntie that I spent a lot of time with those kids for any auntie for sure, but I didn't live there for six months. And when I got there initially having packed for like, you know, a week or two, (laughs) it's were like, Oh, like how long are you staying? And I said, two weeks which is what I thought. And they were so excited about two weeks and fast forward and we had sleepovers. My room became balloon land because I am like a big kid. So there are like so many balloons that ultimately all ended up somehow under the bed, but we had dance parties, you know, the impromptu and in between a meeting, just being able to go hang out with a kid. You want life to stay real? Find a toddler. It is magical. And I wouldn't have had that if not, not only for COVID, but also for the fact that I was a little bit anxious to be needing to fend for myself in the city and and be immunocompromised. So there there are silver linings, I believe, of most things in life. It doesn't mean we always feel them in the exact moment that we feel the scar bigger, but they're usually there if we really look hard enough. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. Everything that you're saying is just hitting home with me. I know for me, you know, my divorce was the catalyst for so many changes in my life and my mental health and and all of these different things. And when I reflected back on, you know, okay, well, you know, what was the, what was the reason for all of this? And I realized, you know, he was the one who encouraged me to start my business. So like, oh, that's the reason that's why all this happened. So I, I love that, you know, you've, you know, shared all this and it sounds like, you know, for you, a, a lot of things have shifted, but, you know, you've had this like community that like really came together and showed up for you, which is incredibly beautiful. And, and so, so lucky. Um, 
I want to touch on something that you had, you had brought up before you had talked about, you know, the effect that all of this kind of had on your, your body and how you were kind of processing this. I know that you had told me, you know, before we started recording that, you know, dance um, and pole dancing is something in your relationship with your body that's really kind of helped you heal. Tell us more about that. Sure. So I discovered dance classes on a whim about 10 years before cancer. And it was something that I happened upon with friends and kind of did it expecting to do it once, right? Because it was one of those things everyone does once or most people, I think at the time, it was like all these studios popping up and I did it and something said, go back again, right? So kind of like slowly, I was never a gym person, I came to realize that, you know, I had never tried classes at gyms. Maybe if I had had, I actually would have used my gym memberships. I used my gym memberships in New York as like membership has its privileges and I would have bathrooms all over the city that I knew I, I was able to use, but I wasn't really like going to the gym. And I happened upon these pole dancing classes and I had been, I like to say I was a gymnast as a kid. It was never like an Olympian gymnast, obviously, but I, that was the sport in which I excelled for me, for a non-athlete. And so that said, gymnastics is one of those sports you really just don't get to do as an adult, right? Like, where do I find the uneven bars? And so I happened upon this pole dancing studio. I tried it. It was not a natural. I think I like slipped my way down. Gravity took its toll. But I was like, this kind of reminds me of gymnastics. And it was such a lesson, a reminder. And what brings us into an experience may be different from what keeps us there. And what keeps us there, in this case, in 2006, is different from what then became meaningful while I was going through a cancer journey. So what got me in the door was definitely the like, ooh, this is cool. I haven't done this before. What got me hooked was that pull and that reminder of that love I felt for gymnastics. What I ultimately realized was that dance can be a metaphor for life, right? We dance our way through life and, or we have the opportunity to dance our way. There's the, there are quotes about this, like make the rain part of the dance and make the stumble part of the dance. And and, and really what that's saying is, is going back to that same concept, we can't necessarily choose everything, but we can decide how we're going to dance through it. And so as someone who's lived my entire life in my brain, like my head, right? Super overactive brain, the spreadsheet creating brain, this overly analyzing everything. I started to notice that my dance teachers really got me, like really could read me because they were reading my body. And mm. so the things that we may censor ourselves from say ourselves from saying with words or sharing the dance, the person who understands the body can read that body language, however subtle, like literally in your finger or toe or leg or, Oh, you're really angry. And you're like, how did you know that? Or you're sad or you're joyful, whatever it is, because so often in our society, we, we suppress the negative or the darker emotions is a better word to use. But even sometimes the joys, you don't want to seem too happy or too 
like, oh, that's like, yeah, she's too confident or she's too, um, you know, not humble enough, right, to celebrate something. And so on either end, we're like, we're living in this narrow band of emotional expression. And so dance initially taught me how to really, really tap into that. My teachers really accessed it. They could read it. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I'm in a cancer journey. And by the way, two of my closer dance friends, my dance teacher was the first person who knew when I was diagnosed. She's a dear friend. So I had told her first. But then even my classmates before I told, because we can all learn to read bodies when we understand this deeper form of expression, this nonverbal. So they knew something was wrong before I even had the biopsy results because they could see the subtle shift, right? And so here I was two months from diagnosis to, to the first surgery, which was a double mastectomy. And then I chose chemo to do on Wednesdays because it meant that by Monday class, I would be as good as I was going to be that week. So maybe I wasn't hundred percent or even 50%, but I was sure as hell going to be there because I knew I would feel better having danced in whatever way I could. Right. After my second surgery, I went to class with surgical drains hanging out of my body because I wanted to prove that I could, even though I was limited in movement. So, so much of that dance journey became a studio of healing and of reclamation reclamation of my body because I lost my breasts, I lost my hair. So those are body parts that so many women would connect with their femininity. And yet here I was in a pole dancing class, which is all about connection with your femininity and feeling alive. I don't even want to just say feeling sexy. It's just feeling alive and vibrant. So to be in a cancer journey and yet have this space that became a very safe space of of touching my body. And it wasn't the shower and I wasn't alone. And that day that I had my head shaved, this is actually one of the most meaningful moments of my life that um, I had had my head shaved and it happened to be a Monday. And that was, I wish I could tell you I planned it because I had class later. I did not plan that. When hair starts to fall out from chemo, it actually hurts the head. The scalp becomes very sensitive. Mm. So I basically had my head shaved. And then I went to class a few hours later and there was this weird adrenaline rush. My sister came with me. I'm a very lucky sister. I have two siblings, a sister and a brother, and they were amazing. So my sister was with me. It became experience, right? Like we were able to laugh, but then three hours later, I was still bald and somehow it no longer felt as like, okay. So I went to my dance class and I think that there were the moments that I knew would feel vulnerable, right? Just being seen bald for the first time. I expected those. What I didn't expect were the moments of feeling weird when my head touched the mat because it was bonier and the hair wasn't cushioning it. Like there were all of these subtle little moments that I didn't expect. And so therefore they were just a little bit tougher. And my teacher obviously could see, she knew what was going on. And so at some point during this moving meditation, there's this part of class after warm up where you have two songs and just like unchoreographed, everyone's moving through the room. And I felt at that point completely paralyzed on my mat. And so Aaron came over and sat in front of me and just like we were both Indian style facing each other. And she asked me to touch my head Hmm. and I initially did it. And yet like really quickly moved my hands off because there was nothing about that that felt comfortable. 
And she just looked at me with all the love in the world and said, are you going to leave her so quickly? Mm. And so we sat there and I put my palms back on my head and I can't tell you that in that moment, I was like completely okay with being bald, but what a gift to have a space that was that safe and have a friend who was that there and present So let me take that first step toward accepting that for that moment in time in my life, I was bald and that that could be beautiful too. And that I could dance my way through that. So that dance journey for me, just everything in that studio, the the loss and the, the gain and the dance that existed then that still continues now on Zoom because that's where everything seems to be these days was truly a gift. And of course, I never could have known when I happened upon those classes of the deeper meaning that that would take for me. Oh, that's that's so beautiful and so powerful. I love that you shared that with us and that you had that experience to help you really process everything that you were, you know, going through. And it sounds like now it's just something that, you know, brings you joy and lights you up, which is a beautiful thing. Oh my gosh. Uh, It has been such a pleasure chatting with you. I'm so glad that we got to connect, Sally. Where can we find you online? So my website is my full name, Sally Wolf, which is S-A-L-L-Y-W-O-L-F at .com or Sally Shoots, because I love to shoot pictures on Instagram is also great. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. We will see you next time, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.